Debate Without Debate podcast. It's been a while, but I've been getting acclimated to college, so we had to take a little bit of a break. We're back now, and we're better than ever. We're going to be producing episodes every single week, just like we promised. This week, I had a conversation with Charles Andre Jolly, the co-founder of Skywater Financials. Skywater Financials is a financial services startup that focuses on helping mom and pop stores. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know by rating and commenting on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening. It really helps us grow the project and shows us that you're enjoying what we're putting out there. Today, I'm joined with a new guest. My guest today is Charles Andre Jolly. Charles, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Dude, it's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, man. Absolutely. So today, I'd love to talk about your financial services startup. I mentioned it a little bit to me. Can you can you give me the lowdown of what the idea is, what it's called, <laughs> all that good stuff? Yes, of course. I'm a bit I'm a bit sick, but um. So yeah, so it's a team called uh, Skywater Financial. And what we do basically is we, we manage car processing and cash discounting. So in other words, every time you swipe your credit card, there's always a 3% charge on say the merchant. So let's say you're going to Chipotle, you spend $10 there, Chipotle's charged 30 cents. Mm-hmm. What we've been able to do is we've partnered with some uh, groups around the country that just processing um, like uh, just machines. And we've been able to help uh, local shops undercut that. So instead of a 3% charge, maybe it's like a 2.2% charge. So instead of being charged 30 cents, they're now charged like 22. Mm-hmm. When you add it up, it's actually a lot of money. Like a million revenue, they lose 30,000 years. Yeah. So instead, by cutting down, let's say, once again, the 2.2% charge, we've now saved them $8,000. So where, where did this idea come from? Where did this interest in financial services? Basically, we learned that ATMs is like the worst market out there. Really? We started off with ATMs. And just, it, it's so obsolete. Okay. And literally, just no one wants it anymore. Everyone wants credit cards. Everyone's just moving away slowly from cash. And every time we were going out to, like, sell some ATMs, which we still do, it's just, it's pretty irrelevant now. Uh, whenever we go out there and we were, like, pitching ATMs, they'd always be like, yeah, like, we're not interested, but, like, sheesh, if you had something for our uh, processor, like, we take that. Our processing deals, just, it's trash. So we started thinking, we started looking into it, and we realized like there's a market out there mm. to help really just, just like help companies save money, because for once like our the company that I'm doing now is we're the the customers aren't just regular people, it's companies that need to save money. Mm. So they're always willing to hear us out, and I mean so far it's working. We've got a few deals done. Dope. So what's that differentiation like between? As you mentioned before, your consumer being individuals just like you and I versus the company. Is there a different way that you approach making deals? What's that process like for you? Yeah. Um, okay. So basically, I, I've done a few of the startups in the past. Um, for example, let's say I, I worked on a start, uh, startup that did like fun, trendy joggers at an affordable price. And it's hard to market to really any just individual because the individual always has big brands that they can go with. Yeah. Meanwhile, with companies, they'll hear on anyone to, to save money because it's just it's a completely different motive or incentive there. Like, let's say back to clothes, anyone can buy clothes from wherever. It's super saturated market, tons of options. But when it comes to money or saving it, that market is a lot less saturated. 
So if, if someone comes and says, hey, I'm, I can like help save you money, unless it's just a truly like, just a scammer, yep. um, they'll hear you out. Hmm. So the incentive to save money is what's really helping differentiate that. Okay. Um, when you're in the process of starting this idea, I'm fascinated by taking ideas and building them out into something more than just that, like a company. Mm-hmm. When did this idea start and how did you go about building it out, building, as you've mentioned before, a team, you mentioned we before. So mm-hmm. what was your process like going through that? Um, and maybe how was that different from things that you've done in the past? Of course, yeah. So with every startup, what those who are into entrepreneurship, what they don't know is these are at least like a few months project, at least a few months in terms of when we had the concept of doing ATMs, we started that back in January. Okay. And then we only got going with that in April. And then by the end of May, we realized, hey, this isn't working. So then we started going with May with card processing. And we only just now in middle of September did we start getting deals. Like only did we then start doing sales runs. Mm. These are like long projects where you have to do the research on the market. Who's your competitors? Are people doing this? What are they doing wrong? What are they doing right? And how can we be unique from that? It's really just a lot of studying before you get to the work. It's just like with, in terms of really any type of field you get into, you have to first learn how do people do this? How are they successful at this? And how can I do this myself? Absolutely. I think it's a great lesson for, and it transcends pretty much mm-hmm. everything. It could be politics, it yeah. could be business. That's a great point. Um, so talk me, talk me through a little bit finding people to work with. Um, especially companies. I feel like that's probably a really interesting process. Mm. How did you go about finding these companies that you work with currently or contacting them? I know something that Joey and I have done is we do a lot of cold calling or cold yeah. emailing. Is that a process that you used? What were your tactics? Okay, so we go through a few things. We run through everything. We first go, who are our connections? What, what's, your, what's your network like? Because with the network, those are the people closest to you that are most likely to help. Yeah. If you go and if you, let's say you go to a family friend who, let's say, owns a shop, they're more likely to hear you out than a cold email or cold call. You learn cold calling, it's a lot less likely that that will work out. In terms of, you got to then, if you do it, let's say an email, say I'm emailing the manager of, let's say, uh, let's just, we'll, we'll go Safeway, right? Sure. Let's say I'm going to them and I'm saying like, hey, I'm Charles Jolly, I, I can see you thousand dollars it's a lot less it's just like whoa it's out of the blue this is like who is this guy compared to if i go to a local shop here in the area and you're like hey i'm charles jolly i go to georgetown i'm a like finance student i'm doing a small company that helps small companies like yours save money that's more relatable Mm. so with cold calling it's a lot more risk yeah and there's a lot more risk to it and the whole thing with sales is you got to be risk averse you gotta find the most direct shot at just, just taking the sale without just scaring up like the customer that you're going for. So for these um <coughs> sorry, uh, for these sales that we're trying to do, it's who are connections? Who can who do we know we have a very high chance of getting with? And then once we go through all those, then for the local sales runs that we do, we have to really nail the fact that we are relatable, that you can trust us, that we are not just some scammer that's just trying to take money. Mm-hmm. 
So what do you do to differentiate yourself from those scams? Like, I, I think the idea of trust is an, a huge topic. It's very hard yeah. to develop as well. Yeah. So what do you do to make people feel like you're a trustworthy individual? So we, we learned this at the end of September. We went for a run in the Georgetown neighborhood. Yeah. And I was with my um, uh, business associate. Uh, his name's Jackson. And we walk into this bike shop. We, we, we thought our first shop would be a bike shop. You know, it's not a big loss if we, if we mess up. And he goes in and he's running through. He's like, yeah, I work with this company. I'm partnering with the top processors, this and that. I can save you thousands of dollars. The manager didn't even say a word. He was shaking his head like, no, get out. Hmm. Because at the end of the day with sales, everyone's trying to buy something from you. Or everyone's trying to get you to buy something. And... If you come across as like too arrogant or too, or if it's just like not like reliable or unreliable, I guess no one no one's gonna buy from you because mm-hmm. there's always a more reliable source. So coming across as a trustworthy person or salesman, that's what gets it. Sure. So once we walked out, we then we went through a script and we were like, "What's wrong with this? How do we fix this up?" And I we took it more in in terms of like a a pitch, like a pitch deck. You got to open, introduce yourself, and be relatable. So we change it from, hey, I'm Jackson, I work with this big company, to, hi, I'm Jackson, I am a finance student at Georgetown, I recently opened a small company that helps work with mom and pop shops and fix their processing to help save them some money. Mm-hmm. That's more relatable. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that rhetoric is super important. Something that I think we're lacking right now culturally mm-hmm. is persuasion. <coughs> I think mm-hmm. it's a, it's almost like a lost art. I mean, it's been studied since like the Greeks were the earliest in it, and at least in my mind, to put an emphasis on persuasion as something that we study. Yeah. But it's such an important skill. It transcends. Mm-hmm. It's another one of those things that transcends so many different topics. Definitely. Um, What's what's the grand vision for this? What is what is your end goal? Do you have one set in mind? I mean, so we joke around and we'll be like, oh, maybe we'll build enough money to like to move on to another startup with this, or like to fund maybe like we even joke like to the extent of like a hedge fund. Sure. But really, the whole the whole plan of this is not to have an end goal. It's just to keep going up. Okay. We feel like if we have a definite ending for this, then then we've envisioned it all. And we, we just want to see where this takes us. Because at the end of the day, and a startup is always like an adventure. Sometimes you get acquired, sometimes you blow up, sometimes it doesn't work at all and it fails. We're just trying to have fun with it because genuinely, this is it's it's an awesome time. Working with two of my closest friends and being able to grow this startup, work with salesmen, go out on runs and talk to some like family friends or other connections and be like, hey, we're here to try to help you. It's just, it's a fun adventure. Um, but right now we, we have no end goal. We just have the goal of let's just, let's crush this. Let's have fun with it and just truly just blow it up. Love it. Um, have you always been interested in startup culture and entrepreneurship? Um, so that's funny you say, so, um, two years back I did a Georgetown like, summer course. Okay. Here, uh, it was in entrepreneurship and it was the only business one. So I thought like, like, screw it. I'll do it. I'll see how that goes. Should be fun. Yeah. And I had no clue what I was walking into, but the whole week was just a purpose of you're put with five random people 
and you have to make a start and pitch it. And at the end of the week, we didn't know who we were pitching to. We pitch and we see like through a feedback, and we actually ended up pitching to the CEO of Lyft. Wow. Yeah, it was very cool. And um, we actually we we won. I and uh, I got a nice shout out for my work that I'd done there, mm-hmm. and I thought like this is really fun. Yeah. So a year later, I went back because it was a different teacher, but same concept. So I learned more there, and then I hadn't done really in between from that summer to this year. And then when it came here, Gap Weekend, which for those who don't know, that's like the Georgetown accept, uh, Accepted Students Weekend. Yep. And I ran to one of the guys now who's uh, my, like, the co-founder, his name Jackson. And we were talking about our startups, and we're like, hey, like, let's collab. Mm. So we did the joggers thing, and then he threw me on to the to Skywater. And that that's where we started going. I, I always was intrigued by it, to answer your question, but only recently have I really been able to get into it. So this summer has just been a true grind of that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, is this something that you foresee yourself doing? Is this like your, your passion? Do you think this is the thing that you found building companies, <coughs> developing them? Is that is that Charles's main mission? So that's funny you say that. So I am in love with entrepreneurship. Yeah. But there's so much more to entrepreneurship than just a startup. Mm. I think entrepreneurship really encompasses all like forms of business in terms of the fact that we're we're all like startups if you think about it. It's just like, think of it this way: in high school, you're building you're building yourself up to get to college. Like getting to college is like it's like your first round of funding. Now you're in college. We're learning. We're trying to prepare ourselves for the workforce. We graduate college. That's like our IPO. We go public. Like everyone's trying to buy from us now. Yeah. It's 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 sort of that where we're just. We're building ourselves up. We're always we're always trying to improve. Um, so I'd say it's more so entrepreneurship. I, like I love it so much is because I'm trying to find a way to become the best person I can be, the best employee I can be, the best business like colleague I can be. So honestly, I I don't know what my future looks like, but I'll always have an entrepreneurial mindset towards it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Debate Without Debate podcast. As always, this is Asher signing off. Until next week, we out. Peace.